This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. Our guest is Nathan Malazzo. Thanks for being on the show, Nathan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Nathan found real estate investing by browsing through podcasts while mowing lawns during high school. Today, he is 25 years old and invests in small to mid-sized apartment buildings in B and C areas in the Baton Rouge and surrounding markets. He has done wholesaling, a live-in flip or house hack, and 100% seller financing deals and apartment deals. So Nathan, welcome to the show. I'm grateful to have you on. It's great to see your success. I wish that I had learned about real estate investing when I was in high school. Man, you know, I wish I had gotten started that much long ago. You you can't imagine, you know, how much further we could have been down this road. But anyway, Lord has a hand in all that, and I'm grateful. But it's awesome to see what you've done, and I'm looking forward to getting into it. Tell the listeners a little more about who you are, and let's help them to also, especially maybe the younger listeners or people who are looking to get started in the real estate business, or younger in their entrepreneurial journey anyway, and help them to see how you've done it, and maybe they can do the same. So get us started with who you are, and let's dive in. Right. Yeah. So I come from a blue collar, hardworking family. Hard work has always been a good model. My parents taught me as a young age. So I actually stumbled into real estate, believe it or not. I had a lawn business just because I was a little hustler you know, from day one. I just always wanted to hustle and make you know, you know living for myself. So I actually started browsing into the money and investing while I was mowing lawns and stuff like that. And I just stumbled into real estate and this, you know, started from wholesaling. And then turned that into buying my first live-in flip, I should say. And then, you know, I did that for no money down. That was a seller finance, completely seller finance deal. And then I turned that equity and slash, you know, out of my savings into buying that fourplex. And then here we are. I have a 32-unit complex that we're doing a remodel on now. And we're looking at another 64-unit complex to hopefully close, depending on what the COVID does and stuff like that uh, and how financing is at the end of the year. So, yeah, we're still pretty busy. It's definitely a building block. You know, you start small and you just kind of work your way up to the big stuff. And that's my goal. My goal is a thousand units. So that, that'll be pretty nice when I get there. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, good for you. No, it's awesome. Tell me a little about, you had the lawn business and you're in high school, right? And you know, you're just striving to have your own business. I think it's incredible. It's just great. And then you started wholesaling. So you're learning about real estate. You did a live in flip. And then all of a sudden you're buying a fourplex and then a 36 unit. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Tell me some pain points through that process of growth that you could help the listener with. Right. Yeah. A lot of pain points. The living flip was probably the most painful just because you're living in it. I had roommates at the time. And then my current, my wife now, she was my girlfriend at the time, was living there with all these guys living in the construction zone. So that was definitely uh, not the easiest part. So I don't recommend that. It's a learning experience, you know. I still live in the house today. I'm actually sitting in it now, but you know, it's it's really the hard work. I was actually very blessed to have a situation where I was financially pretty stable for my age. I was making more money than most people I knew, still am most likely. And I didn't spend that money like most kids would do. I just saved, saved, saved. The next, you know, got 150 grand in the bank account. And um, instead of going buying a car like most kids would do or whatever. I was like, okay, well, what can I step into the bigger step now? And it's a scary step. You know, you go from a single family home to an apartment complex and you're like, wow, that's scary. Because even when, and it's even scarier when, you're, when you tell your family about it and they're like, wow, are you, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? You're 22 years old and you're trying to buy an apartment complex. 
so that that definitely was tough. But once you get past that and you surround yourself with the right people, and then I'm blessed to have great partners today. It's like I said, we're now we're working on a 32 unit complex, looking at even a double size apartment complex, and it's it's really not even the size anymore that matters. Really, it's just uh, you know, we have the systems in place to take it down now, and it's it's pretty cool to see how far we've come in a few years. So nice. Well, I have some questions there for you. I was thinking about, you know, you said, you know, like didn't spend like most or the live and flip was the most painful. You came out of that and it's like, okay, you learned a lot. Uh, and, and then, you, you know, I, I, I like how, um, you know, when we can learn more about, you know what, we, we if we act like everyone else, we're going to get what everybody else has got, right? Uh, and you had to make some hard decisions, you know, through that time. And, you know, whether, you know, the live and flip to, uh, tell me a little bit about going from though a live and flip to a fourplex. Um, you know, and then obviously we'll go to that 32 unit, you know, like uh, thinking through being able to manage that and finance something like that. Yeah. So the live and flip, I was blessed enough to I actually rented the house from the lady uh, and I negotiated because she just kept telling me every time we pay rent, like, oh, man, I can't wait to get rid of this thing. You know, uh, and I was so I was so nervous. They asked her <laughs> to sell it to me because at the time I was only 19. So I was just like one day I just told her, like, hey, well, you know, have you ever thought about selling this house? And she goes, yeah, I definitely would. And she didn't even think that I was interested in buying it. So when I brought her the, the opportunity to sell her financing, she had never heard of it. Uh, but I actually was able to get the house for 118000 and I only put $2,000 down. Uh, and I actually put about $10,000 into it to repair it. And then I've put more money in since. But uh, my wife likes to call me uh, cheap, but I like to call myself frugal. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's cheap for a reason, you know, we, we save, I mean, at the time I was probably saving about four or five grand a month. Uh, and I was just literally every penny I'd make, I lived like I was broke and then just save, save, save. And then, you know, by the time I was doing my living flip, the lawn business, actually, um, I had a client, it's pretty cool how that works out, but I had a client that I was cutting this fourplex for and same thing, older lady, she told me the same thing, um, uh, and that, you know, she didn't know how to manage it. She was older. There's a lot of bad tenants there taking advantage of her. So I actually was able to buy that fourplex for only $7,000 down. Uh, and, wow. you know, just negotiated terms on that. I still own that bill today too. Nice. Yeah. So it, it's, it's finding the problem, you know, and then that's what she wanted because she didn't you know, wanted to avoid taxes. And stuff. Yeah. Wow. Were all those seller finance deals? The first two were, yes. Uh, and, and like I said, that's, that's people who are used to having that monthly income coming in. Uh, and I, I kind of made it to where, especially the fourplex, because she was actually losing money every month because the tenants were just completely taking advantage of her. So I turned the loss every month into a $1,400 a month gain. And she, was, she couldn't believe it. She asked me at closing to make, she was like, are you sure you want to buy this thing? And I was like, oh, absolutely, because we have a big university here at LSU. So uh, I knew I could easily rent it out. She just didn't know how to market it or anything like that. So uh, I definitely won really, really big on that one. And the equity plus my cash turned into this 32 unit. Wow. And so you found that for, by mowing the lawn and getting to know her. Uh, and, and, and then you created a win-win, a win-win situation for both of you, which is incredible that she's, you know, stressed out about this. I, I mean, I was there at one time, uh, you know, not knowing how to manage those tenants, getting taken advantage of losing money, losing sleep. And now all of a sudden she doesn't have to manage it and she's getting 1400 a month, you know, uh, in income. So what a great, what a great way, you know, for that story to end, you know, for both of you. Um, but then you said you took out a line of credit. Was it on the fourplex that now? Now you can do a larger property. 
That was on the single okay. family home. Uh, I have about $120,000 of equity in this thing. Uh, and then I had about $100,000 of my cash. Uh, that, yeah, thank you. Uh, that I also have. Uh, and we bought this 32 unit. We actually got, uh, again, you know, we bought the 32 unit for a really good deal too. So how did you find the 32 unit and how did you finance it? So yeah, the 32 unit is actually in the same area near LSU uh, as the Ford unit. And it was actually listed for a year or so. Uh, and we had known the guy who uh, was managing it. So we negotiated with him for months. And then right when we were about to close, COVID hit. So it delayed us a few more months. But yeah, they, they were originally asking a million one for it. We got it for eight seventy eight. Wow. Uh, we've got a $100,000 or $150,000 line of credit on it. Yeah, I know. Uh, COVID was definitely a motivating factor for that. But um, yeah, we actually got it for eight seventy eight, $150,000 line of credit. And then we put uh, $150,000 down. So uh, yeah, and once we're done with it, we should be all in about $7,000 a unit renovated. Uh, we're kind of being real frugal right now just because we don't know where the refinance market's going to be uh, whenever we go you know, to refinance that. But the good thing about it, the way the debt's set up is it's a rollover loan. So we have it's kind of like a bridge loan, but it's a local bank. And say we don't refinance, it would just roll over you know, with the line of credit on top of the actual loan. Uh, we don't want to do that because the rates aren't very attractive, but if we absolutely had to, we could. Our guest is Josh Ferrari. Thanks for being on the show, Josh. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. We've kind of come full circle here. I've, I've listened to your show a lot, and so it's really nice to be on on this end of the show now instead of the listening end. <laughs> well, that's it's neat. I'm hearing that more and more where, where guys and gals have been listening and now they're, you know, they're doing deals or they're growing their business and then they become a guest. So it's really neat to, to see that happen. So welcome to the show. I look forward to hearing more about your experience and, and your growth of your business and what you've done. But a little about Josh, he's a multifamily syndicator based out of Mobile, Alabama, uh, with experience in raising private capital, locating, negotiating, and acquiring value add multifamily assets and teaching others how to follow in his footsteps. His ability to raise private capital has gotten him the title of primary capital raiser at over $6 million raised in his three-year real estate investing journey. So Josh, welcome to the show. I know there's many that are listening that are trying to do the same thing that you have done and you know and accomplished what you've accomplished in a short period of time. And so yeah, I think it's important, you know, we spend a couple minutes just to, to figure out a little about your background before multifamily syndication and let's work through that just a little bit. And then I, I do want us to dive into just the investor relations side and how you do that well. Yeah, so a little bit about my background. I'm an aircraft technician by trade. I do that. I'm still at that, actually, still working full time in aviation. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, and moved down here about three and a half years ago to start my career as a technician. I always thought I was going to be in the the W-2 world for just ever, really. I was going to climb the corporate ladder, get my experience down here because a lot of people call MROs a sweatshop, which is which is what I work at. And then eventually go work at like FedEx or UPS and a, a bigger company. But then about six months after having moved out of my parents' house, moving down here and kind of starting my career, my dad calls me one day and tells me, hey, we, your mom and I are going to start flipping houses. And I'm like, what the heck? You guys are going to start flipping houses. <laughs> like, first of all, I know you're not wealthy. Like, where's the money coming from? How does all this work? I had so many questions to wrap my head around. First of all, the fact that they were wanting to flip houses and then how they were going to do that. So after like a four hour conversation, my interest was peaked. And I was like, this, 
learning I could make more than my annual salary in like one transaction was, was mind blowing. Like, man, there's something to this. I, I didn't think I wanted to do flipping at the time, but I said, obviously there's something about real estate that I need to dive into. So started reading books, listening to podcasts like yours and bigger pockets and a bunch of different other ones going to local real estate meetups. There was two that we had here in Mobile and one we had in Pensacola trying to learn as much as I could. And then I got started in wholesaling, did that for about five or six months. Really wasn't for me. It, I, I ended up not ever being able to close any deals. We had like eight or nine that we got under contract that we were trying to flip, but never had anyone buy anything. So we thought, well, we're kind of throwing the money away on marketing. Let's just save that and buy something because that's what we wanted to do anyway. So that's what we did. We bought a fourplex about two months after that. We house hacked it and syndicated it. It was a very interesting model and I would not recommend it to anyone, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was great experience. And, and you I syndicated it quote unquote syndicated it okay. before, before okay. I knew what syndication was. It wasn't the standard model of syndication. It was more um, just like, Hey dad, I need some money to pay for this down payment because we did a 203k FHA loan on it. So I had all the money for the renovations and everything else. He just helped me with the down payment, but he didn't get any quarterly distributions. He didn't get K1s. He didn't get any of that stuff. It's just like, hey, I'll give you a piece of equity. And when we sell it, that's what you'll get. And so that that's how I structured it before I knew what syndication was. And he was happy with it. Uh, we actually just went full cycle with that deal and he ended up getting all his money back and like a 50% return after like a two and a half year period. So it wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible either. Great first experience. So then fast forward a little bit, we ended up, I ended up finding my business partner and we did a 21 unit single family portfolio syndication together. And then we were realizing obviously multifamily is where we need to go. We need the economies of scale. We need all those properties to be in one spot. So we can have property management, maintenance and everything else. And so then fast forward about another year, we found a third partner. Now there's three of us. We closed a 42 unit multifamily apartment complex at the end of last year. And we got another 34 units under contract before we closed that. Nice. I'm making some notes because that's some stuff I want to ask you about there. I wanted to back up just a little bit. The house hack, were you the one that were that was living there? And why would you not recommend that model? Well... Maybe, maybe that was a poor choice of words. Maybe I would recommend it to someone if it, <laughs> if it makes sense for you and if you can get the financing right and if the deal's right. I think for my particular situation, just being that it was our first deal ever, you know, first house that we bought as a married couple, first investment that we bought, first multifamily we bought because it was a fourplex, first, you know, renovation that we did, first house had, it was like first everything. And so just jumping into all of that at such a, behemoth sized deal for a newbie. It was, oh, it was a whirlwind of problems and it was a hundred year old house. So already we were, we were buying problems right there. And the 203k FHA loan was absolutely horrendous for us. What was only supposed to take six months to renovate took us a year and a half. And a lot of that was because of paperwork and making sure that everything was good. We had to fire our first contractor and it took five months to fire the first contractor and get the new contractor like signed in to all the paperwork and ready to go. And we already had the second contractor before we fired the first, but they couldn't touch the property for five months until the paperwork was done. 
Uh, give us a couple things there that you would have done differently to alleviate some of those issues. I can relate to actually my wife and I hadn't been married the first year or a whole year yet. And we bought a house. We're in the middle of remodeling and bought a couple triplexes and we're man- self-managing. Lots of brain damage there I talk about often, but in the first year of marriage, right? And, and so I would imagine, you know, that's a similar situation, even though we weren't living there. But give us a couple of things that you know, would have helped you been better prepared or maybe you and your spouse or that you would do different personally? I wish I would have known more about the intricacies of the FHA program, like the specific, the 203K FHA program, as far as how the paperwork goes and what needs to be in line to, to move to the next step. Because I thought that I knew everything at closing after we had gone through all the steps. It took us about four or five months just to get the closing, which should have been a red flag right there of like, holy cow, there's going to be a lot of paperwork throughout this process. But I'm thinking the contractor that we had, you know, that they had mentioned the idea of needing to fire someone and bringing someone else on, but they hadn't stated the fact that it was going to take such a significant amount of time. They were just like, here's the process of what's going to have to happen. And I'm thinking, all right, if it does happen, worst case scenario, it takes like a month. Can't, can't be that bad. And and I also thought, like probably everyone else, that, well, I'm not going to need to fire my first contractor. You know, they're going to be great. They're going to do me right. They're going to get everything done on time. You know, <laughs> The first contractor ended up tripling the timeline and doubling the budget on the first unit that they renovated. And so it was like, obviously, I can't keep these people around. They're not timely and they could care less about my budget. So it definitely the paperwork side of it all. I wish I would have known the the processes and procedures and the steps that were going to be involved because it might have veered me away from wanting to take that loan program and instead maybe making it a legitimate syndication model or or stopping and saying, hey, if this isn't something possible that we could do, maybe I need to buy a duplex instead of a fourplex. Like maybe this isn't the right deal. So just figuring a lot of those things out before just kind of jumping into it because my personality, I'm in a very like optimistic, like a go-getter. Let's just go do it. Let's not be have the analysis paralysis. Let's not worry about the what-ifs. Obviously, yeah. we're going to have a little bit of conservativeness built into some things and, and definitely do some analysis. But being that that was our first deal, there wasn't much analysis that I knew how to do. It's just like, yeah, it looks like a good deal from everything I've ever learned. Let's just do it. Okay. So similar to me as well. It sounds like you would have educated yourself a little more maybe beforehand before jumping in. So you understood the process a little more and what to expect. Is there any kind of mentor involved? Anybody helping you through that? Or was it just you trying to steamroll ahead by yourself? Yeah. At the very beginning of that, there was no mentor. I had a couple of contractors that I knew that I had met from my local real estate meetups that I thought were going to help me with this because they were who I brought along when we were kind of doing the initial underwriting and figuring out if this was a deal we wanted to get under contract and that we wanted to pursue. And then they, none of those, I had like two or three of them that I knew and and kind of trusted and none of them wanted to actually take on this deal. And that's another thing, like that should have been another red flag of why don't they want to take on this deal? What are they seeing? That's going to be such like a behemoth of about this, that they're unable to handle it. And so I guess it would be that. Okay. Well, I want to move on because we got a lot to cover. So I want to get to the 21 unit, your first syndication. You, you, know, you met your business partner. Give us a couple key things that helped you to get to that first syndication. And what was your role in that? So it's, it's funny. The 21 unit was, yes, the first legitimate syndication, but I kind of came in on the back end. So I met my partner actually through Bigger Pockets. 
he reached out to me and we met at a local coffee shop here. He lives in Gulf Shores and I live on the, the west side of the Bay in Mobile. We met up at a coffee shop and the initial. How, how did he reach out to you or why did he know of you to even reach out just because you all live close and he looked you up? That's what I would think. I think he just found me on bigger pockets and saw that I was in mobile and that I, my okay. t- tagline was like that I was trying to be a syndicator and trying to be in multifamily. And he's like, Oh, it's super cool. You know, I'm working on some stuff and that's kind of what I'm trying to get into. And so we just met up, but the initial purpose of meeting up was just to kind of know each other and learn more about other people in the area that are doing these kinds of things. There wasn't any thought, at least in my head initially of like, this could be my business partner. It was just like, yeah, just be cool to, to meet someone else. And then it wasn't until a few months after that, that he had this 21 unit that he had gotten under contract and that he was primarily working on and raising most of the money on that. He was like, Hey, how'd you like to come on and kind of fly under my wing, I guess, and kind of see how everything goes. And then we'll, we'll kind of see how we work together and you can maybe help me raise a little bit of money. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 